0: Those of you that are all
1: too old to go to Children's Church, you're stuck with me. All right, so there you are. If you got your Bibles with you today,
0: I want you to turn with me to a, a book in the Bible that we hardly ever spend any time in because it is one of those that is all about um, setting the stage for uh, the priest and for all of those things uh, that we just don't understand. But there is a certain chapter in that book, the book of Leviticus, that I want us to go to this morning, Leviticus chapter 25. I want us to look at verses 8 through 12 this morning. And while you're finding that book, that's in the first five books of the Bible, so that you know where you're going, you go there to the beginning and you'll find it, all right? So as you're looking, I want to begin this morning by a little bit about what I'm going to share with you today. Today, I want to present to our congregation what is going to be our theme for 2023. Now, let me back up and say, because we have a lot of folks that are new, a lot of folks over the last few years because of COVID and have joined and maybe don't know what I'm talking about. Let me just kind of refresh your minds. Um, Every year, at the end of the year, I begin to pray and ask God to show me something that we as a church can focus on for the coming year. And then I ask God to give me a theme to go with that so that we can then uh, make that the kind of the direction and theme about where we are going as a church. And over the years, we've had many wonderful themes and many opportunities to experience many wonderful things. But in my time of praying, in my time of seeking the face of the Lord, for what we would do in this year, God continued to remind me, bring to mind one word. And a word that I didn't understand, I didn't know how to relate to, a word that I, I wondered how would I make that our theme. And that word that kept coming to mind was jubilee. You know, I've never really paid much attention to the biblical uh, understanding of what God said as he he set forth the the, the biblical precepts for a jubilee. I know what it is. I've heard of it and I've read about it, but I've never really set my mind to, to say, Lord, what does that really mean? What does it look? So over the last couple of months, I've, I've done that, and I've looked at it in many different ways and, and, and asked the Lord to reveal to me what His mind was for us. And I came up with this theme, a good time for a jubilee. And I want to explain that to you this morning from what that means. And we have to begin... In Scripture, we have to go back to the Old Testament where God begins to unveil the, the meaning and the biblical reason for. And then I want to give you some things this morning biblically as to the historical biblical reason for Jubilee. And then how do we, uh, how do we tie that to Midway and what we're going to look at and why we're where we are at this point in 2023? So if you found your place, I know it's Old Testament and, you know, some of you get confused, but go to the beginning of the book and just kind of walk your way through. You'll find Leviticus chapter 25, all right, verses 8 through 12. So if you found it, let's stand together as we honor the reading of the word of the Lord. In Leviticus chapter 25, in verses 8 through 12, here's what God says. And thou shalt number seven Sabbaths of years unto thee, seven times seven years, and the space of seven Sabbaths of years shall be for unto you forty and nine years. Then shalt thou cause the trumpet of the Jubilee to sound on the tenth day of the seventh month in the day of atonement. Shall you make the trumpet sound throughout all the land? and you shall hallow the fiftieth year and proclaim liberty throughout all of the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. It shall be a jubilee unto thee, and you shall return every man unto his possessions, and he shall return every man unto his family. A jubilee shall uh, that the fiftieth be unto you, and you shall not sow, neither reap, which groweth of itself in it, nor gather the grapes in it of thy vine undressed. For it is of this jubilee, it shall be holy unto you. You shall eat the increase thereof out of the field. In the year of the jubilee, you shall return every man unto his possessions. And we're going to stop right there. There's more to it, but I, wanna, I, wanna, I don't want to confuse it. I want to stop right there. So, Father, we ask that as we hear the instructions given to the people, we ask that the Holy Spirit would begin to stir in our hearts the understanding of what this wonderful Jewish tr- uh, 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 precept of God has to do with us today. I pray that you would move me out of the way, hide me behind the cross, that it not be my word, but your word that is proclaimed here today to explain to us what the year of Jubilee is to look like for us. Now we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. So as I was praying for what the theme would be for this year, what our focus would be, this idea of Jubilee kept coming back to mind. So as I began looking into the biblical jubilee and discovered that the purpose of Leviticus chapter 25, its jubilee had a few uh, applicable applications to where we are as a church this year. When you think of the word jubilee, right here in Leviticus chapter 25, if you were to look up what that Hebrew word means and what it's referring to, it is referring to the ram's horn or the shofar. All right, Cookie, this is where I need you. This is not mine, this is Cookie's, and she's got the wind to blow it. She asked me if I did, and I said no. She said, You're full of hot air. I say that. She did. <laughs> All right, in just a moment, she's going to uh, share that with us, but I want to just kind of continue to set the stage. So, the ram's horn or the shofar which was used to announce the beginning of the jubilee in fact the hebrew word eventually became associated with our english word jubilant. we all know what that means to be jubilant means to be happy excited to be full of energy and that's what we need to be and you know i think that, that the lord is so good in his timing of everything As we've been seeing what's going on across our land about the revival, I I, I wondered when the Lord would have you to to unleash this, to fulfill this. And and I remember what Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says. For everything there is a season, everything there is a time. And this is the time and this is the season to announce the beginning of Jubilee. Now, for those of you that are Jewish scholars, which I am not, you will say, well, but this isn't following the 50th year. This isn't the the right month or the right date. That is not the point. The point is that we as a church are saying to God, we are open to what Jubilee means and what you have for us in this year. So I'm going to ask her to blow the horn. And if you've never heard this before, get ready. Uh, you can hear it. <laughs> Go ahead. It does take a long time. It does. <laughs> Go ahead. One more time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the announcement of the Jubilee has begun. And the Lord Himself has said that this is the time. For you and I to be jubilant among what God is doing. And so it is that I want to share with you some things that might help you to understand. As uh, the word jubilee literally means ram's horn in Hebrew, it is defined in Leviticus 25 and verse 9, which I just read for you, where it says, And thou shalt cause the trumpet of the Jubilee, the ram's horn of the Jubilee, to sound on the tenth day of the seventh month, in the day of atonement, shall you make the, the, the ram's horn of the trumpet sound throughout all the land. God is setting for us a pattern for the Israelites for when they shall enter into his promised land. They are to work the land for six years. And then take one year off, and then after seven cycles of six years, and on the one year off, they are to take the fiftieth year completely off, the year of the Lord's favor, uh, or the year of Jubilee. Now, so that no one gets confused, I'm not telling you that we're taking this year off. I'm not telling you that you've got the year up and you can go do what you want. No, God has a whole different plan for us this year. All right? So the 50th year was to be a time of celebration and a time of rejoicing for the Israelites. The ram's horn was blown on the 10th day of the 7th month to start the 50th year of universal redemption. <clears throat> uh, so we see that the 50th year was important in ancient Israel. And out of the Day of Atonement began the Jubilee. So what is this Jubilee that we are talking about? Why is it tied to the Day of Atonement? And why did God say it to be something important that they needed to do? Thus, the year of Jubilee was God's big reset button. It was mandated, a mandated rebooting of the entire system, intending to provide hope and restoration and balance and abundance for all the people living in God's land of promise. It was truly revolutionary. So this morning, for those of us that struggle with Jewish understanding and why it might make a a point, I asked God to give me something simple that I could explain to you the importance and the relevance of the year of Jubilee and of Atonement. And so I came up with, God gave me three R's uh, uh, of Jubilee. These three R's that I'm going to give you are there to help you to remember and to understand the meaning and purpose behind the Jubilee and the Day of Atonement. Then, after I give you the biblical three R's, I want to give you three R's that are going to be our focus for this year is a time for Jubilee. I want to give you the three R's of Midway's Jubilee. As we consider celebrating Jubilee, I want you to see what the Lord has done, what the Lord is doing, and what the Lord is going to do for us here at Midway. Before we can consider what God wants to do for us here, we must look and understand a little bit more about what is the biblical understanding of Jubilee and the Day of Atonement. So I want to give you the biblical three R's of Jubilee. Now, the first R of Jubilee is release. The first R represents a release. And, and, and Leviticus chapter 25 tells us time and time again, uh, we read it a couple of times, that they would release all the slaves, that is to say those that were in bondage to someone else financially for reasons uh, that over the the period of time that they got indebted to someone else, they would be set free from all of their indebtedness. How many of us would like to celebrate a year of jubilee where we've been set free from all of our indebtedness? Amen, we all would. But let me tell you that we're living in a time of jubilee where we have been set free of all of our indebtedness. But we'll talk about that in just a few moments. So the slaves, or the bond servants, would be set free, and they would be released, and that would happen on the beginning of the Day of Atonement. Now... The Day of Atonement was a special day because it was a day that the high priest would gather a lamb and they would pour blood upon it. And on that Day of Atonement, that blood would represent the sin of Israel and that little sheep would then take it out into the wilderness and scared off never to return again. The idea behind that was that the God of Israel... Every year at this time or every time of the year of atonement, God would forgive and set free the people of Israel from their sins. And when God sets us free from our sins, the Bible says that we have been set free indeed and never to be taken captive again by our sins. So this was a humbling day for one's soul. This was a Hebrew idiom that meant fasting. The day is mentioned a number of times throughout scripture including Isaiah's commentary on the Day of Atonement in Isaiah chapter 58. The prophet tells us that the true underlying purpose for the Day of Atonement is not to be so much about a day of fasting from food, but a day of setting free and feeding the hungry. In other words, it is the jubilee to set the captive free. The significance of being released on the Day of Atonement is because there was a representation of freedom. It was a free gift to the people of God, a gift to sinful people just like us. It was not something they deserved. It was not something that they earned, but it was something that God gave them. And what do we call a gift from God that we don't deserve? Grace. God has been showing grace to his people for all of the time of gathering together his people. Once you and I were slaves to sin until we experienced the jubilee of Christ. Without the sacrifice of Christ, we still would be slaves to our sin. And it is through his sacrifice that he gave on our behalf that we are, have the freedom from sin. Jubilee is about forgiveness. It is about being set free from the bondage of sin. We are released just like those slaves were released from their enslavement, We are given back to our families. We have been freed from the sin because of the sacrifice of Christ. And folks, that is something to be jubilant about. Amen? That is something for us to get excited about. We've been set free from our debt of sin. What we could not do for ourselves, God did for us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. The year of Jubilee started on the Day of Atonement with setting the captive free. Now, all of us want to be free. We'd love to be free from our indebtedness to society. We'd love to be free from our indebtedness to the banks. We'd love to be free from uh, in, in, in all these other things. But none of them compare to you and I who have been set free from our sin. We have been set free like none other. So the first R that we want to focus on is that of release. And then we want to talk about return. The second R is that of return. Again, in in Leviticus chapter 25, he tells us that not only is the captive to be set free and returned to his family, but the land was to be returned to its original owners. Now, again, those who had found themselves indebted to other people would be indebted because they had first mortgaged or, or, or sold off their, their inheritance, the land that God had given them, so that they could continue on and then found themselves indebted to someone else. So they had not only become indebted to somebody, but they had lost the inheritance that God had given them. On the 50th year, the Bible says that they were required to return the land to the original owner. So it wasn't only about being released from prison. Oh, now I know what you say is, well, we don't want people released from prison. Oh, let me just remind you that the only people in Israel's day that were in prison were those that were in prison for financial indebtedness. Every other crime in which they committed, they were stoned to death. So there you go. It's not like we're going to open up our prisons and let the murderers and, and rapists and all those free. Now, back in those days, when the, the captives were set free from prison, all it was was those that were financially indebted and couldn't pay their way. But therefore, the Bible tells us that, that they were set free and returned. but not only were they returned from prison, but they were to give their lands back to the original landowners. Leviticus chapter 25, and I want to skip down. We didn't read these. I want to skip down to verses 23 through 28 and read these for you. The land shall not be sold forever, and the land is mine, for you are strangers and sojourners with me. Now that's God speaking to Israel. and In all, all the land of your possessions you shall grant a redemption for the land. If thy brother be waxen poor, and has sold away some of his possessions, and if he is uh, his kin come to redeem it, then shall he be redeemed that which his brother sold. And if the man has not to, to redeem it, and himself be able to redeem it, then let him count the years of the sale thereof, and restore the overplus unto the man to whom he sold it, that they may return unto his the possessions." But if he is not able to restore it unto him, and that which is sold shall remain in the hand of him that brought it until the year of jubilee, and in that jubilee it shall go out and shall return unto his possessions. So Leviticus tells us that God gives them instructions about returning the land back to the ancestral owners of the land at the year of jubilee, as well as redeeming the land. They must give back the land in that year as a sign of faith that all the land belonged to the Lord. The promised land of Canaan was not their final home, but looked forward to the true promised land in heaven above. Whatever we have in this world, my friends, whatever we have gained in this world, we must remember that God has said is a gift from him, and all we are is to be proper stewards of it. Not fixing our hope upon the things of this world, but fixing our hope upon the God who gives us the things of this world. I think for us, this is a great reminder, a great spiritual lesson for all of us. As we think about the land being returned to its rightful owners, we have to ask the question, what about us? Who owns us? Well, I hope. I hope, I trust that you're here today and can say God owns me. For God bought and paid for me when he died on Calvary's tree. For I have given all of me to him because he paid the price for my redemption. I hope that you understand that when we ask the question, who do we belong to? Who owns us? God owns us. We have to be sure that we have been returned to God. Jesus made a way through his sacrifice on the cross for all of us to return to him, to return our lives to the rightful owner, the creator, the one who made us, the one who brought us into this world, the one who has redeemed us from ourselves we have to be sure that we have been redeemed. Jesus made a way, and the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 24, verse 7, I will give them a heart to know that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God, for they shall return to me with their whole heart. My friends, I want you to know that God is in the business of returning to us what we have lost due to our sinful choices. God, through his redemption, has returned us to the favor of the family of God. So our first R is that of release, that we have been released from our indebtedness, that we have been returned unto God through his sacrifice. And the third biblical R for the jubilee of Israel's day was that of revitalization. The third R is to revitalize. You see here that it says that not only was the people of God to be returned, set free from their indebtedness and returned to their families, set free from the captivity of prison for their indebtedness, but yet not only was the land to be returned to the, to the rightful owners, but during the 50th year they were to plant no crops that they were to let the land lay foul, uncultivated. It was just to sit there. It was resting. Isn't it interesting how the biblical approach to restoration lies in that of regeneration through rest? It was the resting by not working the land, by not having crops that replenished it, restored it, and gave it the rest so that it would be revitalized for the people. Have you ever stopped to wonder why God said, work six days and rest one? Because he knew there was a need for revitalization, to energize us so that we could then rest in the Lord and look back at all that he had done for us, all that he had given to us. Now maybe you didn't catch it when I read it. Maybe you're not familiar enough with it to understand what I said when I read Leviticus chapter 25. If the people of God were doing what they were supposed to be doing, if they were working the ground for six years and resting one, working for six years and resting one until they got to the 49th year, the Lord God promised that he would give them an abundant supply on that 49th year that would hold them over until the time of the next crop. God promised to them that he would give them the strength to be able to trust in him, to rest in him, to to realize that he was going to take care of them. You see, the Bible tells us that God was giving instructions to the people that they were not to plant, they were not to reap, but they were to let the land lay barren. You get your land back, but now you have to trust God for whatever comes that he may provide for your needs. I don't know about you, but that sounds a little frightening. Perhaps maybe for those, uh, it was a little frightening to believe that God would really come through. But God told them to trust him. Can I just remind you that God is telling us today the very same thing? To trust me? to trust Him, that we are to put our faith and trust in Him, that He is the God who can provide for us in our time of need. As I begin to think about what this all meant, if we had to put our faith, our realization on God in, in terms of the land, what would that look like? What about our spiritual soil? You see... Are we revitalized? Are we rested? Are we providing the crops in which God wants from us? Are we bearing the fruit that we need to be bearing? Are we able to allow our soil to grow the way that God wants it to grow? He said to the children of Israel, to let it lay foul or let it grow wild. Some translations say, in other words, let it grow whatever God wants, not what you want. I want to ask the question. Do you and I trust God enough to let him grow our faith? To let him grow our faith wildly? Take our hands off of it and say, Lord, I am totally, wholly surrendered to you. Wherever and whatever you want of me, I am willing to do and I don't know about you but I know that that's a little uh, unnerving to me to say here am I lord send me this is an opportunity for us to let go and let god now god doesn't mean that we're crazy god doesn't mean that we go crazy this doesn't mean that, uh, that we do things out of control, but it means that we let go of the control and let God control our life. This was a great act of faith for Israel to step in faith, waiting for the next crop. It seems too often that many of us are trying to live in the comfortableness of Christian life. We're saying, God, I'm willing to follow you as long as my bills are paid, the lights are on, there's food on the table, and I don't have to go outside of my comfort zone. I don't have to speak in public, or I don't have to give up extra time, or I don't have to commit to more things. As long as I'm comfortable, God, I'm willing to be faithful. What God is asking, is for us to step outside of our comfort and to take a step of faith into the wild side. I think he wants us to grow, and that means putting our faith in his hands. Can we allow our faith to grow wild in that godly way? It's all about stepping out in faith. Sometimes we have to take a risk. Like Peter, who was challenged to step out of the boat and to step out of the water. You'll never walk on water if you remain in the boat. You've got to step outside. These people were asked to take a risk when they didn't plant in that 49th year. Well, are we ready to take a risk to show that our faith is in a living faith that is dependent upon a living God? So I hope that you understand now that with those three R's gives us a a glimpse of what the the year of Jubilee was to be about. It was God's major reset for the children of Israel to say, what you have messed up, I'm going to reset and set up the way that I wanted. Now, how does that apply to us? And what did I see for Midway? in 2023. I want to give you three R's that I want us to focus on this year. The three R's of Midway's Jubilee start with that of remember. Remember. We need to to remember where God has brought us from and where we are now. Have you ever wondered why God said every 50 years, There wouldn't be a need for a jubilee. The biblical generation of the Old Testament was a 50-year period. And so what God was simply saying with a year of jubilee is that every generation I want to remind the people to remember what I have done for the nation of Israel. Every 50 years, every generation, God wants us to be reminded of what He has done for us. Now, Midway is far over 50 years old. We've passed that many years ago, all right? But what I'm talking about for a year of remembrance is some things that uh, God has showed us. For Midway, um, many folks that are sitting right here in this congregation today, many of you were not here 15 or 20 years ago when we were meeting in the old sanctuary and the walls were tight. What I mean by that was the pews were full, the aisles were full, and people were coming and we said we need a bigger place. We need to spread out so that more people can hear the good news of Jesus. Many of you sitting here today, many of our children, they were not born. Many of you are new members to our congregation. I was talking with someone just recently about the fact that when Annie and I came here 20 years ago, as we've looked at the generations, there are a few left, but not as many as were here when we came. The truth of the matter is life has moved them on. Some have gone on to other places. Most have gone on to glory. And what that reminded me of is the fact that we need to be reminded, we need to remember what God has done for us. We need to be reminded uh, of the goodness that God has for us. Many have no idea uh, when we say we praise the Lord for this sanctuary and that fellowship hall. I was at a meeting the other night with the buildings and grounds, and we we were looking at some work that needed to be done in the old part of the building, and we got to reminiscing about the fact that when we had a Thanksgiving meal here at the church... We had people in every room because we didn't have a fellowship hall that was big enough to hold the people that came to fellowship with one another. I would have to stand in the doorway in between three or four different rooms and and, and pray for the meal in hopes that people scattered throughout the basement could hear me. I can tell you that every time that we have a meal downstairs and I get to look around and I get to pray and everybody is in the room, my heart flutters because I know what I have to praise God for. And we want to remind you of all the goodness of the Lord. I want you to understand where God has brought us from until where we are. If we don't remember, we know that it has been said that if we don't remember the past, we're sure to make the same mistakes. If we don't remember, we will fail to see the blessings that lead us to a future hope. Joshua was told by God as he was leading the children of Israel across the Jordan land towards the promised land to take a stone from the other side of the Jordan and to carry it over to the the other side and to make a monument. And Joshua was told and told the people that we're making that monument so that future generations can come back to this very place. And when their children's children ask, what is that pile of stone and what does it mean we can say that is where our God led us from the wrong side of the Jordan to the right side of the Jordan. And when we look at this building, my friends, those of us that were here, we are saying, let us show you what God has done and can do. When I presented this to our leadership, to our deacons and to others, We talked about the fact that when we began to look at this 15 years ago and we were seeking the advice of could we financially do what we were doing, let me remind you, for those that don't know, we were told, go back, live with what you got because you can't afford to build. You know what our people said? You're exactly right. We can't, but we serve a God who owns it all. And for that, we move forward. And because of that, we took that step of faith. And we remember what God has done so that we can tell future generations that we serve a God who can do whatever he wants to do. Jesus reminds us that the purpose for sharing communion is to remember what Christ did for us in shedding his blood and and shedding his body for us. Remembering is vital for us to move forward. So that's the first R of Midway's Jubilee. The first reason that we have to be jubilant because for those of us that remember, what a great opportunity. This group that is here today, even though all the seats are not full, we could not have fit you into that sanctuary. There are more here today than would have fit back then. The second is regroup. And I want to explain what I mean by that. Last year, we saw God bring us to the end of an amazing journey. Now again, for those of you that are new, you may not understand what I'm talking about. But this is part of that remembering. Fifteen years ago, when we began to look at what we were going to do to move forward, we started a campaign called Visions of Victories. And the visions of victory was that God was going to give us victory after victory so that we could have this building, this ministry right here. And let me tell you, there was some ups and there was some downs and there was times that God... Only God brought the victory. So we completed that with building a new sanctuary and fellowship hall. But listen, how did we come to a completion? Perhaps maybe you didn't catch it last year, but we paid off the indebtedness. The one and a half million dollars that it cost us to build this property, we paid that debt God gave us the ability to say, you are done with one and ready for another. That is not to say that we haven't done other things along the way, but for the last 15 years, it has been the primary focus of my heart to see not only that this be built, be used, but you as a congregation be debt free. And God brought us to that place. But what it also does for us is it brings us to a place where we can stop, where we can remember, and where we can regroup as to what God would have us to do for the next kingdom work. My goal for this year is for us as a church to spend time together laying out our hearts before the Lord asking his people to begin praying with us for what is the next journey of faith that God wants us to take. Now, I'm excited to tell you that um, we're doing and beginning many of those steps and that this year we are doing an Easter drama uh, with many of our folks in our congregation, something we have not done in years because our focus has been so much on, uh, on other things that we have not been able to do that. But God has allowed us this time to regroup. So my prayer is that we will, we will uh, see many opportunities for us to do exciting things. So that will require us spending time together as a church in prayer, seeking the will of God, as well as hearing from those that have been here for years, And those of you that are new, we want to know what is God telling you that God wants to do through this ministry. This is a time of rest, meaning, listen, when God said on the sixth day he rested, it didn't mean that he took a nap. It said that he ceased what he was doing in the past to do something new. So that is what we're doing. We're going to rest. We've ceased what we've done. We've finished the visions of victory. Now we're going to rest so that we can regroup to see what God has for us to do. The third R, the final R, that I want us to focus on this year is resolve. We can remember about the past all we want and we can celebrate what God has done. We can even regroup and come up with a new plan. But listen, if we don't have a resolve, we will not I want us to begin our next journey of faith with a resolve which means to decide firmly on a course of action with an earnest determination to do something. But in the Bible, the word resolve comes from our inner conviction that a certain way to go is the right way. We get that from Acts chapter 11, verse 23. In Acts chapter 11, verse 23, it says, when he came and saw the grace of our God, He was glad. And he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. The phrase steadfast purpose that Luke used here is translated a firm resolve of heart. My heart, my thought, is that as we remember the goodness of God on our church, And as the people of God regroup and plan to move forward for the glory of the Lord, that we will do it with such a resolve that we won't and we can't be stopped by anything of this world. That we are the mighty army of God on march for His kingdom's sake. Now, I could probably give you a list of things that I think that we should be resolved in. But I'd have to confess that they'd probably be mine and not God's. So I won't. What I want us to do is through this year think about where we've been, where we're going, and how we're going to get there. I want us to consider that this is a good time for a jubilee. Church, I hope, I pray, that you will come along this journey and jubilee with me as we celebrate God in all of his goodness and look forward to what he has for us next. Ron, how about we do I Surrender All? Today, as we begin to uh, transition into our closing hymn, I want to just simply ask you to begin praying. Whether you are new to Midway, every heart is a part of the family here at Midway. Everyone is important. And I want you to begin praying. Lord, what do you want us to do? And Lord, how can I be involved? As we stand to our feet and as we begin to pray, before we do, I want you just to go ahead and stand. Before we sing, I want to just pray that God will give us that resolve. Father, as we come to that place and that time, I pray that as we, as we look to what you've done in the past, Where we are today and what you want to do for us, I pray that we would surrender all to you and walk by faith. Lord, help us to look to you to say, Lord, what do you want us to do? And how can I be a part of the next journey of faith together? For we ask it in Christ's name.